fighting against the woke establishment, rhino Republicans, and anyone else that stands in his way. This is the Samuel McGuire Show on Red Future Radio. Hello and welcome. This is the Samuel McGuire Show on the Red Future Radio Network. Thank you so much for listening. Candidate after candidate after candidate, we're going to try to pull them all on the show statewide to let people know that we have a very, very important election upon us. August 2nd, we have state central committee candidates running. We have state rep candidates running, state senators. Very important to get the education out and to make sure people are ready to cast their ballot when it comes time. We have a special guest on the show today, Minister, County Central Committee member, and candidate for State Central Committee, Tim Brentlinger. Thank you so much. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, Sam. How are you doing tonight? Doing very well, Tim. Thank you so much Good. for coming on the show. We really do appreciate it over here at the Red Future Radio. Uh, let's go ahead and get started in this interview. We'll just do some very soft questions uh, starting off here. So we'd just like to know who is Tim for the people who don't know and why are you running? All right. Uh, it's a bit of a long story. So <laughs> um, I joined the Army uh, while I was still in high school and I was sent to a unit within USARSA, which is United States Army Southern Command. And uh, that made me a veteran of the Cold War era. Uh, while I was in the Berlin Wall, came down, the Soviet Union collapsed. And it looked like uh, communism had been defeated, except for in a few regions of the world, some of those being in South and Central America, where several countries were still dealing with communist ideologists. Uh, whether it was in uh, like armed insurgencies or subversive movements, similar to what we see going on here in the United States today. And uh, the thought in the early 90s was that uh, we beat them. We beat the communists. And the military across the board started doing rifts, which is a reduction in force, where they were reevaluating and restructuring the American fighting forces. And uh, as a result, they were paying people to get out of the military. They were refusing some soldiers the option to reenlistment effectively forcing them out, and they were reducing the military's recruiting numbers all across the board. And so I got out. Uh, I started attending college off and on until 9-11 happened. And two or three days later, I got the phone call, Uncle Sam wants you back on federal duty. So off I went. And uh, I came home, went back to work. And sometime later, there was uh, candidate Obama uh, was on TV just down the road from where I lived at that time, having a conversation with a uh, fellow, uh, Joe the Plumber. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> something in the way that candidate Obama talked, it made me suspect that he might be sympathetic to uh, communist ideology. Uh, so one day during Obama's administration, I got tired of yelling at TV and started studying how to get involved in politics. And I also opened a civic-oriented group in 2015 named Totally Engaged Americans of Northwest Ohio. And uh, we had a decent turnout of, you know, 20 to 25 people. And I created a curriculum that brought to light uh, for this group uh, Marxist ideologies, how they conducted subversive measures in a society, uh, prominent figures and contributors to the ideology, as well as listing organizations that were promoting communism in our country. And at some point, I became aware of the uh, central committees and how they worked and operated. And I put my name on the ballot and won that election in my precinct. And I've been active in that role ever since. That's a wonderful story there, Tim. A lot of experience. Thanks. And I want to <laughs> thank you for your service, man. That's awesome. I did not realize you were in the military. That's something I missed. Yeah, um, more than 12 years of total service. Well, thank you. It's, uh, yeah, people like you, you're the backbone of our nation. Really do appreciate that. Thank you for your service. Thank you. More than welcome. 
So there's a big uh, stir up and a lot of people talking about this running for state social committee and uh, a big reform in the party, in my opinion, or what I'm seeing anyway. Uh, do you believe or do you feel, I'm sorry, do you feel the state central committee should have a party platform? Absolutely. Uh, if you're asked uh, people on the street to name five conservative states, a couple that almost always make the list are Texas, Florida, and South Carolina. And each one of those states has on their state Republican website a link where you can download and view their platform for the Republican Party for that particular state. Ohio does not have that. Yeah, that's it's a very shameful thing. And you would think that with all these candidates in the supermajority and the Republican control Ohio has, I mean, a dominant state in my opinion, and I think we're probably a swing state, if anything, is because we don't have this platform in place because you have those wishy-washy rhinos as some people would say, in our state house and in, you know, office. But I'm glad that you're, you know, looking forward to pushing that when you are elected as a state central committee member. That's awesome. Oh, definitely. And uh, platforms really have their place. Um, for example, in Texas, um, one of their past platforms had over 370 items on it. Um, their most recent one was published July 6th, just a couple days ago, and it has 274 points. So the importance of this is if you're a candidate and you want to run for a state position in Texas, and you want to receive or would like to receive the endorsement of the Texas Republican Party and the monies and the advertising and everything that comes with it, uh, they put you up against the platform and they screen you with an endorsement screening committee. And they determine if you as a candidate will represent the beliefs and the values listed in the Texas Republican Party platform. And again, Ohio does not have that. So we could get somebody, theoretically, you know, that has pulled a Democratic ticket all of their life, and uh, they could go in a primary, pull a Republican ticket, another Republican, and right away, they could, if they wanted to, start uh, uh, putting themselves out there as a Republican and trying to get the endorsement for uh, a Republican position. And from past experiences and just from the looks of our leadership in Ohio, it seems like that may have happened <laughs> a few times. <laughs> but, uh, it, no, it certainly has that appearance in some places. I'm most definitely glad you uh, pulled that or pointed that out. That's awesome. Uh, next question. Uh, it's, a, it's a very concerning uh, time, especially with everything going on. And then you have a split primary and all this redistricting mess. Are you concerned about the August 2nd election with voter turnout? And if you are, what are you trying? What are you doing to make sure people get out and vote? Um, I'm hearing two different uh, thoughts on the potential voter turnout for the August second primary. One thought is, uh, and it's being pushed by, I believe it was the Secretary of State, that it's going to be a low voter turnout with about two, maybe three percent of voters turning out. So in Lucas County, there's approximately twenty-two thousand registered Republicans. That would put the number at about six hundred and sixty voters turning out uh, for the Republican Party. On the other hand, in the May primary, we had record number of Republicans turned out to vote in the May primary. So if, if that trend continues and carries over into the primary on August 2nd, there could be also a record number uh, of uh, voters, Republican voters, for that election as well. But we're taking things into consideration. Um, you've got summer break is coming to an end around that time. 
mom and dad, they want to go shopping for the kids' school supplies. Summer camps are beginning to uh, uh, end. Just all of the usual end-of-summer things. So it's really um, an inconvenient time to hold an election, for that matter. Absolutely, and the advertisement on it, too, is very slim. You hardly see anything uh, 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 being done to promote this election, especially when you look at the price tag on it, too. I hope it doesn't come down to, you know, several thousands of dollars just for one person to go vote. You know, that would be uh, a mess, but, you know, it is what it is. But we can only do what we can do, right, Tim? I mean, you can only show up and give the people of your district uh, an opportunity to vote against someone else in a primary to have that competition. And, you know, at least you're giving them that opportunity, right? And just for the people, they need to, you know... Again, we're not trying to be harsh here, but do your due diligence and get out and vote. You know, your country depends on it. The Ohio Republican Party surely depends on it because, tell you what, that needs some new leadership. I agree. I agree. New leadership is needed. So uh, we kind of mentioned it a little bit here just recently. Uh, your other, your candidate, or I'm sorry, your opponent running against you. Uh, what sets you apart from the candidate running against you? Oh, uh, that is a good question. Um, I know the guy. I like him. He's a good guy. He's well-respected in the community. Um, But when it comes to um, the political process, I would have made different decisions than he's made recently. For example, the endorsing of Mike DeWine uh, before the primary. So, um, you know, there's all kinds of things that are going on in Ohio. Uh, Critical race theory is in the schools. Um, Critical race theory is... Uh, elements of critical race theory are being taught in the Ohio Police Officer Training Academy. Implicit bias, uh, power hierarchies, and things like that are in the current course curriculum uh, for the Ohio Police Officer Training Academy. So we see that um, we have institutions in Ohio that um, are allowing critical race theory to be present in those institutions. And some of them are, well under the executive office and uh, you know, critical race theory, when you study its roots, it goes back to critical legal theory, which goes back to critical theory, which is Marxism rebranded and rethought, repackaged, but it's still at its core Marxist and ideology. And I cannot in good conscience, nor will I in the future when I'm elected, uh, if, if the candidate does not understand what critical race theory is, and how, it, how its roots are in Marxism, they absolutely under no circumstances will receive my endorsement. Um, this critical race theory, as I said, it, it's, it's steeped in Marxism. It's anti-American, it's antithetical to the American beliefs, and it's, it's, um, it's communism, in the words of Billy Graham, has set itself up against Christianity and the God of Christianity. So I, I can't support any Republican that toys with the idea that critical race theory is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, it it is poison to the child's mind, absolute poison. And I'm glad you brought up, you know, the executive branch in Ohio has a big role in our education. Uh, I believe he has nine appointments to the Ohio school or the Ohio state school board association or the Ohio state school board. I believe that Um, I believe the governor has some appointments. I, I could be wrong on that, but I don't know if it's the exactly nine, but I know it's a good amount. And I think currently it might be closer to two. Okay. 
Okay. Well, I, we will fact check that and I'll hopefully get okay. that back on the show. I, not right now. Okay. I don't have that real time fact checker yet. I wish, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but we will uh, get that back on the show for the listeners who are wondering uh, how many of the a governor does appoint, but I know he has an influence to the state board of education. And I actually go, went down there to uh, hear a testimony one time and yeah, they're not, I mean, there was critical race theory in Ohio. There still is. They did the, uh, you know, resolution 20 under the, you know, microscope in the dark right. of COVID. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, in the whole endorsement of Mike DeWine too, you know, like, come on guys, there was a very competitive race that statewide. Obviously you had a, a very dislike for DeWine statewide. You know, you got all the groups and stuff getting formed and Patriot groups and, you know, the no more DeWine. Uh, obviously, Republican voters voted against him if you look at the polls or if you look at the numbers, honestly, if you just look at the numbers. But right. you, know, you made a very good point there. Uh, and I'm glad that you brought up, too, you would not be endorsing Mike DeWine in the primary. I think that's a big deal. And obviously, your opponent did not mind that at all. And I think that's a, that says a lot for the listeners out there. And if you're wondering who to cast your vote for in the 11th district, uh, mm -hmm. the next question, yeah, I, go ahead. If I can revisit that there for just a moment longer, um, in the endorsement process, those are the kinds of questions that should be asked. Um, are you familiar with critical race theory? Um, can you explain it to us in your own words? Um, and Jim Renacci uh, who was a candidate for governor, uh, he swore up and down that he would ban critical race theory in Ohio schools as best as he could to his ability if he won the election as governor. Um, and it's also the Ohio legislature, uh, they can do some things also. There's, mm -hmm. uh, there, is, um, there are some bills that have been put out, and from my understanding, they've been tabled and won't be allowed to be processed further. Uh, and, but another thing the legislature can do is they have the power of the purse, if I understand it correctly, and they could simply refuse to fund these agencies that are promoting and allowing critical race theory to be, uh, emplaced in their institutions. It's, that's my understanding that, uh, they could do that. They could, the legislature in the budget could refuse to fund those agents. So there's, there's a lot more in Ohio that could be done about critical race theory. Um, we just need more people um, in power, in positions of power and influence to make those demands and affect that particular change. No, oh, absolutely. You couldn't have said it better there, especially with the General Assembly. I mean, that power of the purse, I like that saying. Uh, that'll really take them to their knees, right? If they're not getting that funds, they're definitely going to be doing what, uh, you know, what you want them to do. Absolutely. Or what the people, it's not just you, it's what the people want them to do. And it's not teach critical race theory. It's not teach poison to our children. That stuff is complete poison. It is. Yep. But on to our next question. It's a groundbreaking decision, uh, a very awesome decision for people of faith like me and you. And it's just an awesome, another awesome decision for our Republic, right? It's giving power back to the States and it's the, the opinion on Roe versus Wade. What's your opinion on that decision, Tim? Um, it was a decision that the Supreme Court should have never made in the first place, and I think that was the conclusion of the current Supreme Court, <laughs> and they kicked it back down yeah. to states. Um, now, we should look at it from uh, a Christian perspective uh, in, in this aspect. 
that we see many passages in the scriptures that talk about um, how God uh, has knit someone together in their womb, or he has numbered their days before they were born. He knows the hairs on their head. He has the days planned before them. Uh, so we see then that God has you know, plans for, for humanity, plans for individuals. And one thing that the church, that the clergy has really lost focus on is the open acknowledgement of what evil is. And that's important in this aspect, that evil is defined by anything that is contrary to the scriptures or contrary to God's revealed nature. Okay? And when we see that God has a plan for every human being, okay, and we come in and we murder a baby, we have effectively committed evil against God because we have interfered with his plan for that person. And these plans that God has for every human, if they follow those plans for their lives that God has for them, it will bring glory to God, glory to his son, and glory to the kingdom of Christ. And when you and, and it can also bring people into salvation. So when you murder a baby, you have effectively committed evil against God and God's plan for that person's life. So abortion, um, I'm glad the Supreme Court made the decision they made. And now it's time for the fight to really be taken up in the uh, state legislatures to just ban abortion. Uh, and <laughs> and I really think that uh, Christians will be a large part of that movement when we begin to acknowledge what evil really is and that we cannot be complacent in the face of evil. No, amen. You couldn't have said it better there. Uh, and imagine how awesome that would be to be Ohio, to have Ohio to be the, you know, and I could be wrong. Texas may have beat us there, but I'm, I, I don't think, I think they're just going on their, off their heartbeat bill as well. Uh, but I'm pretty sure no state has completely banned the practice of abortion. Ohio leads the nation. We have the supermajority legislative Republicans. Let's get it done here before, you know, August 1st or something. You know, I, I, I'm sure they're working on it. There's a lot of stuff in, you know, session right now. Uh, we could just go on and on about everything they're doing in, uh, you know, in the, in the Columbus. But uh, it, it, it's awesome to see this decision, and it's a very, uh, it's a very proud moment in my life because, in my opinion, you know, or just in my life, I'll be having kids soon, and my kids will not be born into a world where, you know, the federal government basically allows innocent children to be murdered. You know, it's awesome. So it's an awesome day for society. And it like is. you talk about interfering with God's plan, you know, it is a, it's a direct interference with God's plan. That child has a purpose, and, you know, they could be the one to, you know, solve the biggest problem in the world. Who knows, you know, uh, but moving yeah, on here, yeah. yeah, go ahead if you have anything. No, oh, no, no, go ahead. Yeah. Go right ahead. So we'll be moving on here, and uh, this is more of uh, stuff going on in the Ohio Republican Party. Obviously, uh, there's a lawsuit that was brought on to the Ohio Republican Party that Mark Bainbridge and four others uh, were a part of. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, Tim? Um, I did not uh, see the evidence that was presented in the case, um, and I believe it was dismissed. But let's yeah, go yes, and it play it out just a Okay, let's go out and play it just a little bit further. Um, I think there's a failure in leadership in the Republican Party to remember that at the end of the day, they are in the people business. Meaning that we as a party or even a business 
uh, or a sports franchise or anything of that nature. They need to keep the confidence of the people that support them. Because when you begin to lose the confidence, especially in a political entity, when you begin to lose the confidence of your supporters, the money dries up. People will no longer want to be affiliated with them. You'll find you're recruiting fewer candidates, which leads to ultimately having lower quality candidates. So I think this is an issue that the Ohio Republican Party really needs to deal with is realizing that they need to be transparent and they need to conduct themselves in a way that um, that puts themselves in the best light with the Republicans and the citizens of Ohio so that they can begin to recoup the confidence of the Republicans and become a stronger, more well-funded party that can really do what it's there to do. And then we can even be more diverse because we can grow and we can grab those younger Democrats that, you know, won't lean to the right because of this, you know, kind of drama and blah, 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 childish stuff going on in Columbus. But that's, that'll be the future. We'll see what happens in the future. We just got to get really (laughs) good uh, candidates elected this upcoming election. That's for sure. So obviously I've, uh, there's a lot of stir up with how they vote down in uh, and how they conduct business in Columbus and with the state central committee. I went to a few meetings where they allowed the public in and there would be some members that would not being able, were not able to attend. So they had to attend by zoom and okay. they would vote by zoom. So, and it would be like a yay or nay. And it's very hard to understand. And it's weird. They even conduct business like this, but uh, do you believe that they should just vote by roll call? You know, state central committee should just vote roll call. And I get like Absolutely. other stuff, you know, there's other stuff, you know, passing the budget. I mean, not passing the budget, but uh, simple stuff as in just adjourning the meeting, et cetera, like that, you know, but with Robert's rule and stuff, should we just vote by roll call? Yes. Yep. Yeah, and that, yep. and that's, that's the nice thing about that answer. It can be very short and we're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So another huge issues, and on the show, we usually only try to cover huge issues, the medical freedom. Uh, do you, what's your opinion on medical freedom? And, uh, and if, have you done anything to move the medical freedom movement forward in the state of Ohio? Uh, yeah, um, I am completely for medical freedom. I don't think that uh, the government should be able to mandate what uh, um, you have to put in your body or what you cannot put in your body. And, uh, I believe those, those are fundamental human rights and the state has no business trying to implement them. Um, what have I accomplished? Um, I have spoken at several different, um, groups oriented around medical freedom and, and the issue of the COVID, uh, the COVID response. And, uh, my messenger has been well received, uh, at the times I've spoken there. And, uh, so yeah, yeah, I've been involved with them a little bit. That's wonderful. And if you, if you would reach out to organizations in Northwest Ohio and ask, they might remember me, <laughs> they, <laughs> well, they can, might know my name. Yeah. Well, I can tell going back to the May 3rd primaries and being able to hear you speak, you definitely made sure to bring up the COVID response and that's awesome. I just want to make sure we give the candidates a chance to answer because you know, it's, it's, it caught a lot of people's attention. There's a lot of people in politics now just because of the 2020 pandemic, and it's excited to see. So uh, yeah, we have yeah. to ask that question. So when, not if elected, when you're elected to state central <laughs> yes. committee, what would you change, Tim? 
Uh, one of the first things I would like to do is get a platform put in place. Um, of course, that would be preceded by putting in place a platform committee because uh, putting a platform is essentially a statement of beliefs. And um, that's not something to be taken lightly. Um, Absolutely. It, it should be something that is uh, well-researched and well-thought-out. And so when I say one of the first things I'd like to do is have a platform put in place, understand it, it is a process that would probably go by committee and done properly could take six months, possibly a year to get implemented. Uh, you just don't want to put a bunch of malarkey up. You want something, like I said, a moment ago that is well thought out and well-versed. Uh, another thing I would like to do is uh, be transparent with the county, or I'm sorry, with the state records uh, as far as finances. And again, that's more of along the line of a gesture to maintain the confidence of the Republicans in Ohio, as well as the independent voters and making ourselves more attractive and more trustworthy by being transparent in that way. And I don't see where there's harm in doing that. No, I mean, being more transparent is probably the best thing you can do in government work. Wouldn't you say, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of what you're there to do. Let people know what's going on. Um, and obviously you don't work for the government. You work for a government organization. I believe that's correct. And, uh, or you don't work for anybody because for the people who don't know, this position is volunteered. <laughs> Tim yes. is volunteering yeah. his time by running for this position. And, you know, that's another thing too. Uh, that's why the position is kind of pushed off to the wayside. I think, I mean, in my opinion, I'm going to bring this up. People might hate me for this, but, uh, I mean, maybe the Republican party should be paying some of these people to run for a state central committee. Maybe it attracts some more talent because, uh, it's kind of pushed to the wayside. And then you got people getting paid off by government appointments, right? Or governor appointments or, you know, getting put on some board or whatnot. Um, it, you know, maybe, maybe that would help. You might disagree with that, but it's, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. It's about like my theory on giving state representatives four years uh, terms instead of two year terms, but uh, so they would stop campaigning all the time and actually get stuff done in the, in the, in the legislature. But that's, right. you know, that's, um, <laughs> It, it is a volunteer position, and um, I'll, I'll throw this out there also. <laughs> uh, my wife is running for the female representative position yes. on the state central committee in District 11 also. Um, so having said that, when we win, and currently for all uh, state central committee members uh, that are currently out there, it is a non-paid position. And um, there are, uh, what's the best way to say it? Um, there are conversations that are had that need to be had outside of uh, the actual meeting of the state central committee. And so uh, there'll be dinners where you go out to and stuff like that. Um, ju just for the specific purpose of, you know, the, the state central committee has been adjourned for the day. Let's go talk about these different issues. So when we convene again, we have a better idea of what actions we want to take. So it, it's, that's the context in which I say that, you know, people go out to dinners and, and other things like that. But all of that comes out of uh, the individual um, state central committee members pocket. So it's not only is it a non-compensated position, it's also a position where we've got to spend money driving back and forth to Columbus, going out to meals, possibly hotels, uh, uh, stays and stuff like that to conduct business on behalf of the state. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's not just a non-compensated. It's going to cost us money to do yes, it. Yes, and I, and I should have put that out there, too. I mean, you're you, – so 
are you, I know the districts are new, but are you able to name all of your counties that you're going to cover in the 11th district? Uh, the 11th district is only Lucas County, but not all of Lucas County. Okay. Okay. But it's still, um, you got a lot to cover. <laughs> right. Um, there's a website out there called Dave's redistricting. Yes. And yes. That's what Josh, there, yeah. Josh also put that on the show too. And I looked yeah. that up. That stuff is awesome. So yeah. Dave's yeah. redistricting. Yep. If you go there, um, it'll show you where uh, it'll show you the the map of the 11th district for Lucas County. Yep. But also to you, you brought up, you know, you're not just conducting business in the 11th district. You got to go to Columbus four times a year and maybe at more, least, yeah. you know, at least. Right. You said at least four times a year and you want to be there. Right. You don't want to be these people on Zoom zooming in there like, come on. I mean, I get not being yeah. able to be there. You have family, uh, children. Some things come up, obviously, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like there's an over excessive amount on Zoom all the time, and I just don't like that. But uh, yeah, well, I don't mean to make it sound nefarious. I, I just want to revisit that for a no, moment. No, please do. Um, but it's been my experience so far that a lot of the conversations about things that are going to happen, plans that are being made happen outside of the meetings themselves and it's not nefarious it's just you can only do so much during the time constraints of a meeting so a lot of the conversations like i mentioned a few moments ago take place outside of the meeting so um no it's a very honest answer because it's correct answer i mean if you're going to sit here and say that we're not discussing you know other business with state central committee members you know i think people may think so one thing about Tim, I've learned you're an honest guy, a very honest guy, and I like that answer because you're explaining it, right? That's good. That's good yeah. details. <laughs> well, thank you. Because, you know, like the business and with all Robert's rule, it's hard to even, it's hard for every committee member also to even get anything in there to say. Uh, and, you know, without having the meeting go three, four hours long, right? So obviously business yeah. is conducted different. I'm glad you brought that up. And for the listeners out there that have never been to a state central committee member and that are Republicans and you do vote, please, you know, be encouraged to drive down to Columbus and go to one or try to visit. Uh, I, I don't know if they live stream them anymore. I, I don't believe they do because they don't have to because, you know, people are allowed to go there in person. But I would encourage you to go down there and see how business is conducted because it's important. It's important to know what goes on. Uh, it is. Moving on, got two more questions here. We ran through this interview sure. quick, man. I like this. This is this is going to be really good for our listeners. Our listeners are going to be very happy with us. Uh, I'm holding back. No, we got we got a lot of content in here. A lot of questions. It's good stuff. Just over 30 minutes right now. Over the 30 minute mark. That's awesome. Uh, with primary endorsements. Uh, it's a big deal. Do you agree with state primary endorsements? What, what's your opinion on that? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, the primaries are for a lot of a lot of people don't understand what the primaries are, but the primaries are where Republicans run against Republicans and Democrats run against Democrats, and each party has um, candidates that are running against each other in the eye of the public, trying to draw the support and confidence of the voters. And a party endorsement prior to the primary interferes and slants the public perception uh, towards a particular candidate. So um, imagine you're conducting a job interview for a family business. Do you want an outside source 
trying to tell you which which person you should hire, especially if you're not sure about their interests. Yep. And, and so it's the same thing with with um, choosing a candidate uh, to make it through the primaries. Why do I want a third party interfering in my decision making process? That, that's just to me, it's unconscionable. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not allowing it's not allowing individual candidates to be seen putting their best foot forward and being seen in the best light possible. It interferes with the democratic process. Absolutely. Be, uh, because Republicans trust Republicans, right? That's in our, you know, we, we we're, we're not, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was way naive when I was younger, but you know, it's not that we're totally naive. We're not stupid, but we trust one another. Right. So when right. a Republican party comes out and says, Hey, vote for this for conservative. He's a good dude. People are going to go out and vote for that conservative. Well, you know, obviously things are turning, tides are turning and we're kind of catching on to what's going on here. And you, people, you shouldn't just vote for whoever your county party or state party votes for, you know, do your own research, listen to these interviews and really see what the standard candidate stands for. I mean, that's the main thing. And that's, you are the person that's going to make the best decision. I will tell you that if I endorse anybody, if Donald Trump endorsed anybody, let it fly past your mind, do your own research and then make your decision. Well said, well said. (laughs) So, uh, last question here. And like I said, we're moving right along. I have to ask this questions to, to my state central committee candidates. I think it's important. Um, I used to work for an awesome gentleman by the name of Mark Bakita, which, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. Mark and Bob used to go to church together. So we had a relationship there. So Bob may know me. He may not, but he definitely knows Mark and uh, we've had a lot of fun. So I got to ask this. I got to ask this question. What's your opinion on chairman Bob Paduchik? Bob Paduchik. Um, I've only met him once. It was a brief introduction and, uh, he, then continued out uh, a few minutes after the introduction. He then continued about his affairs for the evening. Uh, that's the only personal interaction I've had with him. And so I don't really have enough information to make a good sound opinion of him. Um, you know, and with the media bias out there uh, trying to sway opinions and all that, yeah. I try not to take any of that into consideration. Uh, I would love to get the opportunity to know him better so that I can understand him more and, and uh, form a better opinion of them. But, um, at this point, honestly, I just don't, uh, I haven't spent enough time with him to get to know him well enough to answer the question. No. And that's a beautiful answer because Tim, it's an honest answer. And, you know, for the show, we're all just about asking questions, questions that mostly news media wouldn't ask. And that's one of them. And the cool thing is I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to tell you, you know, I would tell you what I know, but, you know, the, the best thing, like I told people, do do your own research. I mean, when the time comes, uh, when you get elected, you'll be able to have Bob Paduchik's phone number, and I'm sure he'll meet with you, and you guys will talk, and uh, you're going to do the best you can to make sure he's doing the best he can to make sure the Ohio Republican Party is doing what it's supposed to be doing. I know that for a fact. And that's the main thing. Whether, whether the guy's an awesome dude and he's doing a good job or he's, you know, not, the people there are going to try to, hold his feet to the fire and make sure he's doing what he's doing. So I, I like that answer. And uh, that's awesome stuff, Tim. Um, we really appreciate you coming on. We always love and have the uh, candidates do an ending statement, anything that we miss or anything that you'd like to cover, just lay it all on the line. Also too, uh, where can we find your website, social media? If you'd like any personal contact information to give out or, maybe even where we can donate. Uh, we'd love all that information too, after your great statement. 
All right. Um, well, if it's okay, I'll just go ahead and get uh, that stuff out of the way uh, so it doesn't uh, no, be uh, my get guest. forgotten. Um, so our website is brentlingerforohio.com. That's brentlingerforohio.com. You can contact us there. We have a phone number up. Uh, it goes directly to my cell phone. So if you have questions, concerns, uh, you can text or call. There's also an email link uh, where you can contact us. And uh, there's also um, a donation button for our campaign. It goes through WinRed, a fabulous organization. And um, my wife and I, as I mentioned earlier, we are running. Uh, I'm running for the male position. She's running for the female representative position. And so we're both sharing the same website. So there's an area there that uh, goes over her bio and, and some of her ideas. And then there's an area on there that... Um, uh, shares my beliefs and my bio also. Um, now to uh, opening the mic up and allowing me to have a, a few brief moments to uh, share some things. Um, I've got to admit, I did some Facebook stalking of you after, after uh, you reached out to me and asked if I'd like to uh, be interviewed. And um, I noticed that uh and some of your social media posts and things like that, that you openly talk about Christianity and engaging Christians in the political arena. Um, if you want to um, share with me a little for a moment or two about that, and then I'll comment some more. Well, I just think it's very important, Tim, as you being a minister, and, you know, obviously we talked a little bit before the show and all the questions that I have. Um, you know, I, I, I'm still learning a lot about, you know, the faith that I'm following in Jesus Christ, the man that I worship. Um, and I think the only way I can learn more and get people more engaged is to talk about it and talk about it as much as I can. I mean, talk about that and make that the main purpose of why I do this. And people can call that cheesy. People, you know, might not want to listen to the show because of it. You know, I really don't, it, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't bother me. I'm all about trying to uh, praise God as much as I can. And, you know, that's just my main message, I guess. Uh, it's not that I'm trying to, you know, appeal to a certain class, because in my opinion, if this political thing doesn't work out, we can jump right in to just get everybody saved, and then we don't have to worry about it, right? So that's where I'm at. Uh, I know our country is very distraught. I know we're getting away from Christ. I believe that we need to get people like yourself people with man of faith, people who talk about abortion being murder and an absolute, you know, disgusting practice on this earth. I think those are awesome words and they should be spoken by more people running for office and more uh, elected officials. And if we don't get people in office like you, like myself, people, people who are literally seeking Christ, right? Like every day I'm seeking Christ. I'm tell me what to do. You know, where do I go? Who do I speak to? What can I do better to prevail his great story, right? And uh, right. to make heaven, or I'm sorry, to make earth kind of like heaven. Obviously, you're not going to do it. There's always going to be fathom and, you know, but we, we can live way better than what we're living. I mean, hunger, food, etc. I mean, we have it all here. This could be an awesome place. Uh, and right. I think also, too, this is another thing, and I just want to throw this out there, and I'm sorry for taking so long, but I really do appreciate oh, no. you asking me this question because... You know, it means a lot. Now, I'm, I'm glad I get to explain this to the listeners because you know, that's something no one has emailed me. So it's kind of, it's, and you kind of caught me off guard too. You didn't, I didn't know you were going to ask me a question. So that's awesome. I don't mind answering. Uh, All right. We have to get people saved. I mean, that's the main thing. And right. if I am not 
able to stand up and speak my mind and speak how confident I am in Christ, then who can you know who else is going to? And and my and in my in my opinion, my inspiration and the guy that kind of led me to this was Jeremy Harold. Uh, he's a, he's also a, a co-host and a podcast guy okay. uh, in New Hampshire. Great show, uh-huh. Live from America. He's on Real Ver- Real America's Voice. Um, literally has a prayer of the day on a show like we do, but then he also says Lord's Prayer uh, on the show, and he asks his audience, too, because this is what has got me so in-depth. He got his audience to say it with him, too, and he, he says, don't just say it in your head. Say it out loud. And I can only imagine if we could just get all of those people together, you know, because people watch that show from all around the country. That cool. day when he does that 11 a.m. or 5, 5 p.m., just the sound of all those people saying the Lord's Prayer, I'm sure it would just be awesome. And that, that makes God smile, right? That is something God is happy about. And we need to keep pleasing him and praising him. Uh, it's I feel like we're, we're here to do. And I think by doing that is saving people and pleasing people and, you know, not, not pleasing them. Right. But, but trying to better their lives. And yeah, really it starts with our government. Uh, we need to get better people in office and that, that's my whole mission. Right. And whether okay. it fails, whether it doesn't, uh, that's my answer. And uh, you know, that's where I'm at. Okay. Uh, well, there's a fellow, um, I'll, I'll take a few minutes to unpack some stuff here. There's a fellow by the name of George Barna. Have you ever heard of George Barna? That, that that name does not sound familiar. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, that's quite all right. Um, he does a lot of research in the Christian realm. He himself is a believer. He's a person of faith also. And in uh, 2014 and 2015, he did a body of research, and it's entitled God's People Want to Know. And it's subtitled, Results of National Surveys Among Spiritually Active Christian Conservatives and Theologically Conservative Protestant Pastors regarding the need for churches to teach congregants what the Bible says concerning today's social and political issues. And the, the, one of the conclusions in that body of research was, after interviewing clergy, nearly 80% of them, it was over 80%, in fact, said that they will not teach about topics that are clearly outlined in the Bible. They will not teach about them in today's political climate. And uh, there were 24 or 25 items that were listed that these clergy said will only teach on those three items, abortion, marriage, and one other item. And again, that's uh, a, a research paper by George Barna entitled God's People Want to Know. And one of the things they noticed there also is that Christians do want to vote what the Bible says, where the Bible has something to say on political issues. But clergy are not teaching it any longer they refuse to and one of the one of the issues is the uh, johnson amendment they don't want to get in trouble with the irs and potentially lose their 501c3 status which is another conversation entirely but um one of the things that i ask people um and i'll wrap up with, with this segment here one of the things i ask people um is if they could name for me the first limited representative constitutional republic in recorded history and most of the people I ask, they're a little dumbfounded, and uh, they, they, you can see the gears clicking in their mind. They're genuinely trying to come up with the answer. And we'll hear things like, you know, the, well, the United States was the first, wasn't it? Or, you know, maybe Rome. Was it Rome? Or the Greeks? Maybe. No, it wasn't the Greeks. And um, many people are surprised when I tell them that it was actually 
the Republic of Israel established in Mount Sinai. Now, let me unpack it a little bit, okay? There's a passage in the Torah that says, select from amongst yourself those who will rule over you, and I will put them in place over the thousands, five hundreds, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Okay, so we have the word select, which can be substituted. Uh, you can put in vote or choose. So we see then that they had limited representation in their primitive form of government. So that's one one thing to consider. Another thing to consider is their uh, constitution. A constitution is nothing more than a written body of laws. And God gave Israel a written body of laws. <laughs> and then finally, um, a republic. One of the things, one of the hallmarks of a republic is that no one is treated above the law. No one's treated beneath the law. All of the citizens are supposed to be treated equally under the law. And the Bible and the Old Testament demands and requires that of the civic government of Israel. And um, I don't know, are you familiar with uh, Thomas Paine and his book with Common Sense? So uh, I, I, I know the book, I've heard the book, but I have not read it. And I know the man, Okay, I have not read it. All right. Um, he mentions in his book with Common Sense that uh, Israel, uh, here we go, here's the quote. Now, 3,000 years passed away from the Mosaic account of creation till the Jews under a national delusion requested a king. Till then, their form of government, except in extraordinary cases where the Almighty interposed, was a kind of republic. Wow. So he wrote that before the Revolutionary War started. Or it, if I'm not mistaken, it was not long after the Revolutionary War had started, but it was right in the beginning. And I'm told that George Washington, the commander of the Continental Army, petitioned Continental Congress to... Um, set aside enough funding to purchase enough copies or, or to print enough copies of this booklet for every continental officer so that those officers could then share that book, that pamphlet with the troops under their command. And right there in it, um, Thomas Paine mentions that Israel was a form of republic in, in, in the Mosaic era. So there's that. And then there's um, from 1788, um, there was a minister, his name was Samuel Langdon from New Hampshire, uh, New Hampshire, I'm sorry. <laughs> and um, on election day, uh, he gave a sermon and the name of that sermon, uh, he said, or um, the sermon he saved for posterity and the title of that sermon that he gave on that day in the uh, outside of the election uh, facility, it was entitled the Republic of the Israelites, an example to the American states. So I could go on and on for quite some time about America's Judeo-Christian founding and the principles that were pulled um, uh, from the scriptures to help form this nation. But in closing, I would like to mention this. Um, a lot of Christians are apathetic today because uh, they think that there's a separation of church and state and they shouldn't be involved. And that's another conversation to have entirely for another time. But my point is this. Um, the scriptures say that King David, had, he had a heart after God's own heart. But when King David uh, committed sin with Bathsheba and had her husband uh, murdered, God punished not just David, but he punished uh, David's son that was born out of that relationship. That baby died. Uh, God also went on and he punished David's family by allowing... Uh, uh, his uh, 
King David's sons, one of his sons to violate one of King David's daughters. And that event led to a civil war. And all of that, God told David would happen because he had committed that sin. So David did something he shouldn't have. He was a government official. He was the king of Israel. And what he did in private, people who had no participation in that sin that David committed in private were punished, and it cost some of them their lives. So my point is that Christians should be involved because God allows people to suffer in some instances, right there, like I mentioned with King David, allows people to suffer for the sins of their government leadership. And it happened again, again with King David when he took a census and the, uh, the um, Old Testament laws forbade uh, leadership to take a census of the Israelite people. And he did. And God punished the people again for the sins of their civic leadership. So Christians, um, they should really get involved mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, if anything, to try to stay in God's favor and good graces as a nation, as a society, as long as we possibly can. Yeah. But those are topics that, you know, you could, you could give a whole sermon on just a couple points that I just mentioned there. So um, again, I Facebook stalked you. Uh, uh, I asked you a very deliberate question because I, I wanted to drive in and uh, 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 see where you stood on that. And I thank you for allowing me this time to share some biblical points because uh, I understand some of the folks that follow your podcast are Christians also. Absolutely. So want to encourage them, get involved, mm-hmm. uh, get with Sam or go to my website, reach out to us. If you want to learn more about precinct central committees at the county level, or if you want to learn about state central committee positions or how to get involved at any level, uh, if you have any questions about what I just said about the scriptures and civic government and God, God does have a model of government in the scriptures and our founding fathers implemented it. So if you have questions on any of those, feel free to reach out and I'll be sure to get in touch with you. Uh, on that note, I'll turn it back over to you, Sam. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate uh, everything you just said on that closing statement. That was so, such such good stuff to uh, learn. And, that, that you know, when you told me about that kind of before, we were going to, you know, to make sure it was okay to talk about that. And for everybody listening, if you're coming on the show, please spread the gospel on the show. This is what it's for, right? <laughs> this is the main thing. And we, yeah. we, we thank you, Tim, for, for letting us know about that. And for the people who didn't know, that's really good information. Take it in. But I'm going to tell you, I didn't know about that with Israel and whatnot and being the Republic, you know, that was kind of the, I was one of those people that were dumbfounded, uh, as uh, America. <laughs> so, uh, no, uh, yeah. that's awesome stuff, man. And I really appreciate you bringing that to our attention because it's important. It's very important. Uh, you know, and just to put this out there, it's kind of our duty, right. As Christians to get in charge. It's not just something that we should do because it's needed done. It's kind of a duty when you say, I mean, I'm sorry. Oh, to keep very you, much. But yeah. Oh, no, no. That's a very, very good question. And you nailed it right on the head. It is a biblical mandate for believers to participate. We don't have a choice in it. Um, and, and, you know, there are believers that are out there that are surprised at the direction our government's going. And uh, I would say, hey, um, the Bible says that we should not marry with unbelievers. And the Bible lays it out. If you marry with unbelievers, they could lead you astray. And take mm-hmm. you into another religion or, or even incur God's wrath for not being obedient to him. So I would say then, what do you expect when you get unbelievers in a government? Oh, man, you're getting it right now. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, God gave us a model. 
uh, it's the only, the only, how do I want to say this? <laughs> the only form or model of government that God gave man to implement, he gave it at Mount Sinai and he warned Israel against a king. He warned Israel, don't do this. Don't demand a king. And they did. So the only form of government that God gave humanity to implement was a limited representative constitutional republic. And that happened between the time that Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt until um, uh, Moses's death. Mm. So um, everything that we need to establish a good, solid government is right there in the Old Testament. And it's just not taught anymore from the pulpits. But yes, Christians uh, uh, do have a active biblical mandate to participate in government where they can participate and to bring those biblical principles into civic government where they can. Amen. Because that's one of those, that's one of the ways we're going to get our country back on track the way it was. And I'm glad you, I'm going to have you on the show again, just so you know, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) but uh, we're going to get on to the church and state stuff too. Cause I'm glad you brought that up. I'm not a church and state guy. Like you can probably guess, right? Anywhere I go, Jesus is going. So uh, right. you know, that's awesome, too. And I'm glad you brought that up. And obviously, that's a whole other can of worms. We're already almost up to an hour. Man, that 30 minutes flew right on by, didn't it? I we were on <laughs> yeah, through. it does. But, but no, that's good content in there. And I'm, I'm, glad that, uh, I'm glad that you came on the show, man. Tim, it means so much to us at the Red Future Radio. Also, too, it means so much to the, to the listeners and uh, also the people who are going to be able to cast the ballot for you. That the, You doing this is incredible because not a lot of politicians do it or public servants as I, I, I want to call you a public servant. Uh, you know, they don't do this. They don't give all the information out. They're not, you know, with the people. And you also mentioned this, the Ohio Republican party needs to be more people friendly. Doing this stuff is very people friendly and we love it over here. And, you know, we thank you and, uh, the best to lo- best of luck coming up this August 2nd. I look forward to thank being you. in Toledo with you at the August or the district 11 to help, you know, petition or uh, canvas, whatever we need to do. I'd love to help Mr. J.R. Majewski out there too. Uh, so I'll definitely be in that area before August 2nd. You can count on that. And I look forward All to right. seeing you. Okay. Well, thanks for having me on tonight. All Sam. right, Tim. Thanks so much. Uh, take All care, right. man. God bless. God bless. Tim Brentlinger, District 11, Senate District 11, State Central Committee candidate. My goodness, a guy of faith, minister. He's already on his county central committee in Lucas County. He's fighting and bringing up the stuff he brought up on that ending statement. Oh, boy, that's some good stuff. Learn about it, folks. I learned about it. Listen to the Samuel McGuire show. You'll learn some really, really good stuff. All right, moving on. We're going to finish it out with a prayer of the day. We got to finish out with that God stuff. Jesus, he is our Lord and Savior. It's so good to, uh, you know, bring you guys his message in an interview. And then plus, we're going to finish it out with it, too. So cool. So this is from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. But if we can confess our sins, he will forgive our sins. That's 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Confess. Tell the truth. Be morally right. If you do something wrong, just say it. And confess, own up to it, and move on. 
try to live a sinful life. Obviously, you're not going to. Nobody is perfect. You will make mistakes. But that's why he sacrificed his life for yours. He died on the cross to allow us forgiveness. Don't obey, don't don't you know don't overuse it, but try to live like Christ and ask for forgiveness because you will be forgiven. He paid that price. Make sure you use it. So important. So absolutely important. Tomorrow, another awesome exclusive interview. So stay tuned. The state central committee race is on. This is a big one. This might stir up the pot a little bit. It'll be fun. So make sure you tune in Friday, 11 a.m. Another exclusive interview. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to bringing you more news, content, interviews, and talk shows. Don't forget that, Jesus. Please check out the website, redfutureradio.com. My social media is at Samuel C. McGuire. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Truth, Instagram, Getter, Parler, Telegram, TikTok. My email is samuelcmcguire at gmail.com. Email me. God bless. Take care. We'll see you next time. This is The Samuel McGuire Show on Red Future Radio. 